Welcome back to another podcast episode of Let's Open the Bible. It's Russ and Gavin. Still recording on a Wednesday afternoon, as this, I believe, will drop on a Monday morning. Listener, we thank you for tuning in today. We're going to be looking at Acts 16, beginning in verse 16, as we look at the account of Paul and Silas being imprisoned. And uh, pretty interesting. I think uh, as we go through this, should be very interesting. So, uh, Gavin, uh, if you like to start us in prayer, I'm happy to read the passage. All right. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for family and, and the many provisions that you have given us. And uh, among the greatest is your word in front of us today that we get to read and behold your good work in the lives of, of the, the jailer, of Paul and Silas, and um, just your good work, God. I pray that we enjoy this walk through redemptive history, this 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 step in that in that uh, the proclamation of the redemption that is afforded to us in Christ Jesus. May we rejoice in it, and may it lead us to uh, as Christmas is coming up. May it lead us to a great, wonderful celebration of Christ, uh, His incarnation. May we uh, never remove that uh, incarnation from the death, burial, and resurrection that He came. Uh, into this world in order to accomplish um, through his faithfulness. God, may that lead to a, a, an amazing Advent season of worship and joy and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's right. This uh, this month has turned over into December, and so I guess uh, uh, that that means the beginning of the Advent season. Do you, do you guys uh, do any, any kind of Advent things? Uh, glad you brought that up, and maybe won't, it'll, it'll hinder us from getting too deeply into the Word today because I want, I want to talk about that just a little bit. Okay. So um, last year, Christmas came and went in, in our church, and it was um, I was like kind of the Grinch. What I said even this past weekend from the pulpit, I was a cotton-headed ninny. You were uh, a mean mug. one, Mr. Grinch. I was a mean one, a cotton-headed ninny muggins uh, last year um, because – here, here's my problem. I see so many people say Jesus is the reason for the season. That's true, but I don't see many people practice it. Now that's that's judgmental, and that probably you know I I'm I do not judge correctly. Romans two reminds us I don't see the world clearly. God judges tr in truth. I don't. Uh, I have a convoluted way of looking at the world, and yet when people say Jesus is the reason for the season, but time with him and time in church and time in prayer and time in Bible study seems to be get, he gets the ragtag tail ends of our day. Um, and so, uh, last year I just kind of, he, we didn't, we, we did not anticipate Christian Christmas like we ought to have me. I was the problem. So this year I said, no, I want to uh, anticipate his first advent long for his second advent, kind of pull those things together. And so we're going to make a, a bigger deal of the advent season. Not the materialism of it necessarily, but just Christ. We, I want to, I want to look, uh, look back at his incarnation and and then anticipate it get excited about it look like kids are excited about it why are we not as excited look, maranatha come lord jesus why are we not as excited about jesus and his first coming and his second coming and celebrating all those things as our kids are about getting gifts we've got the greatest gift that's right so 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 i want to provoke that so i just started last um th this past sermon with how we're going to anticipate, how we're going to be more intentional about anticipating Christmas this year uh, as a celebration of Jesus 
and how we're going to long for his, his advent. And then because of where we are in the text, which is an interesting juxtaposition of, you know, Christmas season and we're in his resurrection in John. So we went through John 20, um, in the sermon this past week. So, uh, how do we celebrate Christmas, but attach that to the cross and his resur- and Jesus's resurrection. How do we come around the proverbial corner, stick our head into the tomb and, and anticipate what if Christ is still there? Hmm. First Corinthians 15. Yeah. I mean, we are the most we're still in pity. our sins. Yeah. We're still in our sins. We're preaching lies. We're teaching lies. We're receiving lies and we're all, we're all still in our sins. So how do you get um, that anticipation? Because we know the, the, the outcome, we know the story. But how do you kind of feel that anticipation of maybe like Elijah and Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration, where they're they're standing there with Jesus talking about his exodus, his his departure. They're talking if he does not go to the grave, if he does not die, if he's not three, if he does not remain three days in the grave, if he's not resurrected and ascending, there's no hope for them. There's no hope for us. There's no hope for our children. There's no hope for our loved ones. We are hopeless. Yeah. And so again. It's all about anticipation, anticipating, you know, coming around that corner, sticking your head in like, like uh, John did, waiting for Peter. They go in and examine the situation in the scene, and there's this celebration. N- not quite yet because they don't understand it. They didn't understand the scriptures yet. But there's he's not there. He has risen. That anticipation, anticipating Christmas, anticipating the second advent, longing for it, getting excited about it, practicing getting excited about it. That's so good. Advent is a little more important this year to answer your question. The short version, Advent is a little, we're focusing on it much more this year than we did last year. We're, we light the candles, have somebody give a, you know, kind of a testimony. I, by the time this airs, if I do it right, it'll air on Monday and we, I will have preached from Micah 5. Uh, and, uh, and that is, um, you know, just amazing to think about as you talk about anticipation, you know, the things that Micah was prophesying. Um, like a five two that he would be born in the house of bread. Yeah. The bread of life would be born in Bethlehem, which is Bet the house bread. Yeah. Lehem. So that's uh, you know like four hundred and thirty years in the Exodus, and then four hundred years of silence. I think there was a lot of anticipation. Well, famine, not yeah, of spiritual food, yeah. but of the word of God. Yeah, he yeah. was silent, and and I just you know you kind of think. When I worked at the YMCA, we would speak in a lower tone, and and some of the kids would start to listen. It would quiet down if you would, if they thought you were saying something important. They would all kind of lean forward and anticipate. And I kind of have that impression with the the silence of God that people would lean forward and anticipate, but they didn't. No. They they just kind of went about their business. They, they went kind of on their own. Yeah. Perverted and a lot of things. Not Simeon and Anna, the prophetess. They they were longing and waiting and waiting, anticipating. And waiting. Yeah, anticipating. That's I got a, the Heinz commercial music playing in my background, yeah, in my mind, which is a- anticipation. What are you talking about? You don't remember the Heinz commercial where the people were singing anticipation because it's so slow coming out of the ketchup bottle? No, are you making that up? I am not. You need to go. You need to Google it. That might be something you use in your sermon. <laughs> Google Heinz. Yeah. That's actually my street name, Google Heinz. <laughs> Sounds German. <laughs> it is my German street name. We need name. to get to the text. <laughs> All right. Yeah, sorry, folks. It's uh, seven minutes of blabbering. Uh, Acts chapter 16, beginning That actually verse... might be my street name, seven minutes of blabbering. Uh, no, that would be far too short. <laughs> Acts, Acts chapter 16, verse 16. <laughs> that's, that's your street name, too short. Far yeah. too short. <laughs> Economy of words. 
Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met me, who brought her masters much profit for by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, and who's the us? It's Luke. This is part of the we passages in, uh, in Acts. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. I love this. But Paul, greatly annoyed, uh, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And as he came out that very hour, uh, but when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrate and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded, <laughs> commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, excuse me, uh, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. I'm sorry, I had for some reason this vision of, of like a uh, of a musical where all of a sudden, you know, there's this uh, this mob coming together, snapping their fingers and people just <laughs> pulling their clothes off. <laughs> What kind of music, what kind of musicals do you go to? <laughs> You're really having a bad impact on me. I right know. Now. I don't know what the problem is here. That right. is actually kind of the way my mind works. It goes to just weird. Yeah, yeah. That's so. Anyways, let's so, get back to it, please. All right. So again, the first thing that jumped out at me was the annoyance. You know, Paul being greatly annoyed uh, turned, and and um, you know. I, I just appreciate that because certainly things happen that annoy us. Obviously, this is a little bit different than than what may be normal for you or I. Well, let, let's maybe let's start with sixteen, sixteen. Sorry, I interrupted. So no, no, finish that talk. Finish that talk. You got, you got it. Ah, Slave girl. I shouldn't have done that. All right. Um, just yeah. So, what about the spirit of divination? And and she gained and brought her owners uh, much gain by fortune telling. So, what are your thoughts on on fortune tellers? Do you have any? Have you thought through that at all? Well, I, I think you know the Old Testament makes it uh, fairly clear that you know we're we're not to be, you know, seeking those types of things and consulting mediums and that type of stuff. Necromancers, I mean, yeah, necromancer, and all those, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that is that is sin, right? So here, here's my thought. I don't know if this makes sense, I, you know, but uh, I, I think ninety nine point nine 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 percent of all that is foolishness, F- hogwash, total total bunk. You right. don't have to worry about it. You don't have. I mean, other than it just you, just you don't, don't associate. Do it associate with it not because uh because it's foolish because it's silly mm-hmm. I, I mean there, there many of those people come out later and say i can't believe anybody believed the hogwash i was putting out there right um so so i think l- l- let me break this down I, I don't know if these numbers are within 50 points of of, of reality but i think 50 percent of them are just pure foolishness making up stuff out of the right. you know I think there's probably 30% where they'll Google search you or dig through your purse or there's some way that they're finding out information, um, you know, uh, criminally or at least um, uh, in, in a sketchy way. Yeah. I think there's a tiny, 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 tiny fraction that may be demonic activity. Legitimately, yeah. Legitimate. None of it is of God, but it is demonic activity. Yeah. 
and I don't know where to put this woman. Uh, we, if we take it at face value, she was doing something that brought fortune and fame. Although she had the, a spirit, yeah, an evil spirit, right? Uh, sure, yeah. So, so we would say this is demonic activity, but it's it's ironic that people can. F- um, she could say foolishness. She could say things that were total. I mean, lies. The, the devil is the father of lies, right? And and people follow all sorts of lies and foolishness. So she at least had an evil, uh, a demonic, uh, an, an evil spirit, and she was making a profit. So if we put those together, likely she was giving true accounts. You think like actual, possibly? Okay, I mean, it doesn't I, say. It seems to indicate, but it doesn't say. It's interesting. It doesn't say that, or even imply that she was mocking them. But for it to annoy Paul, I can't help but think that she was almost mocking them for proclaiming the way of salvation. So the it's translated in the KJV as grieved. I looked it up in the Hebrew, and it doesn't help me. And I and I can't emphasize this enough. You and I are both not Hebrew uh, or Greek scholars, and this would be in the Greek. So, but she she grieved or annoyed Paul. Right. Okay. And it pained him. One of the root words of the of the word there uh, in the in the Greek is pained. You know, through pain, he 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 experienced some type of pain because of her. Um, so whether that's uh, emotional grieving or whether that's just irritation. Um, so according to just the BDAG, uh, the lexicon, it is to feel burdened as a result of someone's pro, uh, provocative activity. Okay, there you go. To um, be disturbed or annoyed. Okay. So maybe, so let's just, so she followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaimed to you the way of salvation. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Of all the things she may have gotten right or wrong, she got that right. Good for her. Yeah. She actually may have, uh, because of that statement, caused people to listen to what they had to say. Maybe. Which is another example of how God can use even... Uh, the enemy for his glory, which he does, right? But ironically, this is one of the reasons th- that Paul acts, and when Paul acts, it's the reason he ends up in jail. Yeah. And God, it, none of this took God by surprise. This is part of God's plan, but, and he used it for his glory. Yeah, and he could have silenced her. Sure, could have. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's not God silences people in Scripture. Yeah, God, God, she could have Joseph. fallen over dead. He silenced Joseph. Yeah. She could have fallen over dead. Right. And that happens in Scripture, too. Ananias and Sapphira. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Herod. I mean, people fall over dead in Scripture because they lie to God or because they don't give praise to God or all sorts of things. They fall over dead. She could have done that. And yet, this is going to be the provocation for Paul to act, at least, whether it's grieved, whether it's annoyed, whether it's irritated. This is the reason Paul acts, and it will be the reason, ultimately, he ends up in jail. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, God can use all sorts of means to accomplish his purpose, but one of the purposes he had in this it was jail. And then he's supernaturally going to get Paul out, which which to me always makes me ask, why is any Christian still in jail if God could supernaturally draw them out? Because it wasn't his will. Hmm. He had other plans. Yeah. I mean, we could we could ask that question about virtually any situation. Why does this person still have cancer? Who who sin? Among the most interesting to me, among the most interesting to me is is uh, are the number of assassination attempts on Adolf Hitler. 
in some of how, how, how weirdly they went wrong and it ne- didn't happen. You know, he ultimately took his life, but how, how many times there was an opportunity for someone to, to kill him. Um, and, and yet sliding a briefcase under an oak table of a, of a, uh, oak leg of a conference table and it spares his life blows up and kills people and wounds people and spares his life. And why does God not just take that evil, evil man out? So it's interesting. Yeah. He was doing something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So back to this. So she followed Paul, says something true, and she kept doing this for many days. Um, why do you think Paul put up with him for many days? It doesn't say, don't want, I don't even want to speculate. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned to her and said, uh, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. Anything you want to say about that? Just an observation. It's interesting. It's, it wasn't that minute. It wasn't immediately. Right. But within an hour, which is interesting to me. Yeah. Because the Bible has a way of being very specific about this type of thing. But it's it's within the hour. Interesting. Again, it... it I don't know what to make of it, but it's interesting. The, the power of prayer. Are we? The power of prayer is one thing. The, yeah. the idea that the the world still and always will have a spiritual element that we are very unaware of, right. of which we are unaware. So, you know, do, do you ever pray that your eyes would be open, that you would see the angels of God around you, surrounding you, protecting you, um, uh, or, or or you know, pray that this demonic activity would be would cease. I don't think we're good at determining what is the world, what is the flesh, and what is of demonic activity. I don't think we're good at distinguishing those. Probably not. Um, but we don't pray. Right. We don't pray like we believe in a spiritual realm. Well, we and, don't pray as we ought. Yeah. Amen. We pray most often for physical needs rather than the spiritual. Right. And we pray very physically rather than spiritually often. I don't. I, I paint with broad brush strokes, and some people are like, "Nope, that's not my prayer life at all." I'm very aware of the spiritual realm. I'm very. I'm very much. Pray- and sometimes we over attribute the things that are demonic and of the devil. Oh yeah, we give them way too much credit. I, I prayed. I prayed that the toaster would. That the demon of the toaster would come. Are you kidding me? You know, I pray that the demon uh, that that were you well, know he will deliver the toast. Yeah, uh, yeah. All right, we'll, we'll move on from that. Um, uh, and then and then again, the question always comes up: Why does Paul need to pray? Why does God not just take that spirit out of her without provocation and without prayer? And why not do it immediately? And now, why not do it immediately? Why why ever let that that demon reside in her? Yeah. We understand that the devil is God's devil. Even the devil is God's devil. And by that, I mean that the devil is not on equal footing with God. He only does what God uh, allows. From the garden, when when God curses him, he doesn't say, "Uh uh-uh, that's not going to fly. He is absolutely and abjectly submissive to God's will. And he only does in Job. When, when the devil himself says, well, you won't let me do that because God alone controls uh, the extent of the devil's activity. Right. And the devil's evil, but God alone, um, you know. So, where do you want to go there now? So, um, I, I, l- l- let me just make ahead. an application from that real quick. Yeah. We need to pray. Right. You know. So, we need to be a praying people. And um, 
My two cents, if you are not actively involved in your church's prayer ministry, I'm begging you to get involved in your church's prayer ministry. If you, if it's a bad time for you, start another prayer group. There's nothing wrong. I would love to hear that your church or my church or any church has multiple prayer time meetings that, you know, I've said this before. I would love to hear, well, uh, we've got, um, third shift people that meet at two in the morning, um, in a Denny's praying, uh, at two in the morning, every Wednesday morning at two, they pray 2 AM they pray. And that didn't work out for a lot of people. So they met on Friday, uh, in the church, uh, classroom at 4 PM and they prayed and somebody else, I, I love the idea of a church just meeting and praying and praying and praying corporate. And, and of course you need your private inner room prayer time. Right. Well. All right. hundred percent. So they brought him to the magistrates and, you know, talked about how Paul and Silas was troubling the people. They end up uh, beating them, throwing them in jail. Okay. And it's not just in jail, in the inner prison and fasten their feet to stocks. That wasn't the case for all people in jail. Okay. This is um, like the um, solitary confinement of their day. Okay. The, the one thing I will say is um, <clears throat> if you walk with God, the world will hate you. The, the servant is not greater than his master. They hated Christ. They will hate you. Christ was perfectly innocent, and they hated him and crucified him. Um, you share a different goal. You share a different telos than the world. You share different. You you do not, or you have different. You don't share. You have different goals. You have different values. You have different rewards. You have a different different definition of success. You should be strange, weird, uh, unworldly to the world, right? And so, if you just follow Christ, you will interrupt. Um, uh, in in this case, Paul interrupted their means of of gain, material right. gain. That's right, and that's not his concern. His concern is God, and their concern is money. And and never the twain shall meet. Yep. You know, when you, pers- you you cannot serve both. You cannot serve God and manna. You cannot serve money and God. And so, at some point, there's going to be a break between your goal and their goal, uh, and it will become obvious and clear, and the world will hate you. Yep. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. And so when this happens, are you willing to stand? And I, I think, you know, I've found a lot of times I'm, I, I will say, oh, I'm willing to stand against anything. I'm willing to preach any. And then I find myself trying to look for ways out of some of the consequences of just preaching and teaching and standing with God. Well, it's a lot easier to say you'll do something and actually do it. Yeah. But, but, but I'm talking about I genuinely believe. And then I'm shocked at how much I, you know, I'll see the, the the congregation squirming or something, you know, whatever it is, and I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I should, you know, maybe I should visit this next week, you know, something mm. like that. Do, are you willing? And I don't mean to be hateful, and I don't mean to be pridefully brash, but just following Christ, it will put you at odds with the world, and sometimes it'll put you at odds with people in the church. Yeah, that's a good word. I think that's clearly what's going on here. They're suffering for Christ. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, listener, thank you for joining us today. We look forward to catching up with you on the next episode. I believe we're going to look at uh, verses 25 through 34 as we see what takes place in jail. And so, again, we thank you for tuning in. 
continue to open your Bible and wrestle with these things, and we look forward to that next meeting. God bless.